Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com tutor. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. As all of you probably know, this is an election year. And during an election year, we hear a lot about one thing. Who is going to win the black vote? Is Trump gaining voters? Is Biden losing voters? Will swing states go red this year? Or has some rhetoric on the right continued to drive inner city black voters to the left? But the real question is... In those black communities that need a revival, do political candidates from either side truly understand what that looks like? In a nation that seems to have become hyper-focused on race and how to combat racism, have we actually left some of our most amazing communities behind? Should race factor into politics or should the focus be on building community outside of the right or the left? Some say the United States is too burdened by the sins of the past, and then others would tell you the country has been washed clean of our failures. But is it more complicated than that? I'm pleased to be joined by a man who has lived through some of the ugliest times in our nation's history and still dedicated his life to making it better for those in need. Bob Woodson is the founder and president of the Woodson Center, 1776 Unites, and Voices of Black Mothers United, and is the author of Red, White, and Black, Rescuing American History from Revisionists and Race Hustlers. Mr. Woodson, it's so nice to have you with me. Thank you for that fine introduction. Absolutely. We Just before we got on, we were talking about your life experience, and, and the reason I think your life experience is so valuable to us. I was reading about you coming from Philadelphia and then enlisting. And when you went down south, having the experience of, of going to get in a cab and not realizing how deep segregation was in the south and that that feeling of being told you couldn't get in the cab with a white white one of your white friends. He could either get in, you could either get in, but you couldn't ride together. Tell us about how that led to where you are today and what you've seen in this country, because your the way you talk about it is just so inspiring. And I feel like this is a moment when we need to bring that back. 
Well, thank you so much. As I said, I was born during the Depression in 1937 in a low-income, black, poor neighborhood in Philadelphia. Uh, but what was good about it, uh, our street was like a small village. Uh, Ninety, probably five percent of the households had a man and a woman raising children. All the kids could read. Um, never elderly people could walk safely in those communities without fear of being assaulted by their grandchildren. I never heard a gunfire. There mm. were black stores on each corner. They didn't have iron gates in front of their stores because I never heard of a store being robbed. I never heard of a child being shot to death in their crib the way we have over the last 20 years. And so, uh, you know, de deprivation has never resulted in in being deprived. You can be deprived, but not depraved. Hmm. And so, unfortunately, too many people make a link between poverty and pathology. But our neighborhood proved that is not the case. Uh, but my, I was born, my, my, dad, my mother, I, had, I was the youngest of five children. My mother had a fifth grade education. My dad died when I was nine. So leaving her with five children to raise hmm. for a fifth grade education uh, it meant that I had to rely more on my peers for support than I did my blood family. And that's why I guess I appreciate why kids join gangs. It isn't the organization mm. is troubling, it's the criminal behavior. But my mother equipped me with the kind of values that I chose good friends. And, and so there are still four of us left today and we maintained our friendship, but they were a year older than I was. And so when they graduated high school, I was left unaffiliated. And, and so I dropped out of high school and went into the military. Uh, best thing that ever happened to me because that's the first time I ever left Philadelphia and realized that black people were not a majority. Mm. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, I mean, it's interesting because you grow up with what you know. <laughs> yeah. You can read everything about demographics, but until you confront the reality of getting off of a bus and seeing hundreds of people pour off buses, all of you are young people enlisting, being trained at the Air Force. And so, like you say, after basic training, I went to Mississippi and John Hornack, a Polish friend of mine, we got in a bus, a taxi cab to go off the bus in town and have a beer the way we used to in New York. And the cab driver, when we got outside the gate, he said, I can take you or him, but not the, both of you. And, that's, and that's, that was a legal reason, right? I mean, this was, was actually was, the law. This was legal segregation. And there were big signs that says colored drinking fountain, a little, little rickety fountain. And I saw this and you knew where to go. Whenever you went into New Orleans or someplace, you always headed to the black neighborhood. So John and I could no longer socialize together. And so mm. that separated whites and blacks in terms of friendships. But, um, but in, the, in the military, thank God, after two years of doing with young, I was in the space program, uh, flew Earth satellite uh, attempts, uh, missile in, uh, test control. But when I got out of the military, I mean, I took some courses at University of Miami, at a, and I have 12, 12 credits at a time when I could not walk on the campus. Wow. Because that of is, so the And this is something that I think uh, we just don't under, you know, kids today just don't understand what that's like. And, and so I see in some cases where we want to 
separate things again. And I think that's devastating because I feel like when I grew up in the 80s and 90s, there was a a real coming together, but that seems to be coming apart again. It is, but it's being fashioned not by a majority of people. My friend, a young uh, scholar, uh, Delano Squires, framed it beautifully. He said, this current tribal narrative is being driven by a small group of elite guilty whites who are seeking absolutions from crimes they never committed. Hmm. And a small group of elite blacks who are seeking uh, absolution from injustices they never suffered. These young people, they never suffered under segregation the way my generation has done. You know, they don't know what that's like. Right. And so for them to sound act as if they are more grieved than I was. Hmm. (laughs) When I suffered directly, I went to jail twice in Florida uh, because of issues I raised on the base. And so I don't want to go into all that detail, but it still n- never left me bitter. And so that's I- what I was telling you also, as I when I was in college, I, I took several of our African-American studies classes, and I am a big proponent of learning that history in the United States, because what you see when you read the books of people who lived through slavery, people who who actually experienced what you're talking about, the stories are shockingly positive about how they overcame those feelings of being treated so poorly because of the communities that came about that the food that they that they circled around the songs that just the culture that became a part of how to still find joy in these horrible situations and I feel like we've gotten away from searching for joy it really is, and, and so, but it's important because I always find it a little amusing that the angriest people are the ones who suffer the least. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I think that anger and resentment becomes a substitute for positive action to improve the conditions of people. Mm. That's interesting. I, I, I can see that. Out when I got out of the military and I went to a, a small black college, thank God I didn't have affirmative action at the time. Because I had not read a book from cover to cover. Uh, my SAT scores were, were, were in a tank. I was admitted on a year's academic probation along with 12 other veterans. Uh, but I, and, and, thank, and, and I went to Cheney, a small black college, and, and we took 12 hours because we had to work eight hours a day and drive 60 miles to and from work. Um, wow. And, and so what they did, though, was prepare us to, to learn how to study. And it was, it, but if I had been put in the University of Pennsylvania in affirmative action, I would have struggled and stayed behind. But thank God I didn't have affirmative action and I had to work hard. And when I graduated, I got a full scholarship to the University of Penn School of Social Work because of the merit that I expressed in, in, in because I learned how to study and apply myself. You know, it's interesting because we have a problem across the state of Michigan with schools. I mean, our kids, no matter what community you're coming from, our schools are behind the rest of the country. And they, they've just come out with this plan to make community college free for everyone. But they but this has been happening in one of our communities already. And they said that what happened is these kids actually came out of the public school. They didn't learn enough in Kalamazoo. And then they went to free community college 
And it was even more devastating for them because once they got there, there was no one there to say, hey, this is how you study. This is how you learn. They didn't have the skills. So what you do in communities, I think, is so powerful. I read something where you said that children will seek out a father, a father figure if they don't have one. And I noticed what you said about you can see how people got involved in gangs because when there's not a father, they're looking for someone to lead them. But you create a system where there is that influence, a a big brother type influence, a fatherly influence where students and children, no matter where they're from, they have somebody cheering them on. I think that's what we need today. It really does. You know, when, when, like I say, that that one of the worst things you can do is give children or anyone uh, a convenient excuse for failure. One of the biggest lies that are being perpetrated on the American public is that the problems of black education today is somehow the result of a legacy of slavery and Jim Crow. That is just mm-hmm. not true. It is, uh, you know, and so in our, in our book, Red, White, and Black, we actually go back and look at uh, what is our history and education and how did we perform under segregation. And if you will go uh, in our essays, we talk about at the end of slavery, only five or 6% of blacks were literate. But in less than 40 years, that number climbed to 75%. Mm. Why? Because of our Sabbath schools, the churches set up schools to teach, but nowhere in the history of the world did a people move from a 5% literacy rate to a 75% in less than 50 years. Uh, When we were denied access to schools in the South, Julius Rosenwald, the white CEO of Sears, collaborated with Booker T. Washington in 1901, I mean 1909, to establish the Booker T. uh, 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 Rosenwald schools. Rosenwald put up $4 million. The black community rate matched it with $4.8 million, selling chicken dinners and whatnot. They they built 5,000 schools throughout the South. And in 1920 and 1940, the education gap in the South for between blacks and whites was eighth, eighth grade for whites, fifth grade for blacks. But in less than 40, in less than 20 years, that gap closed within six months. Mm. And blacks were attending these Rosenwald schools, had half the budgets of the white schools, used textbooks. And yet, even in the face of these obstacles, we closed the gap within six months. There were five black high schools in in New York, Baltimore, Washington, Atlanta, and New Orleans. Same thing, they had crumbling buildings, used textbooks, half the budgets, but every one of those black schools out-tested every white school in those cities. So our young people should be inspired by what we did against the odds. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats 
even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. I mean, when I hear these stories of growth and community. I wonder how we got to this point where the black community in general became this political talking point. And, and I don't think that I will say I'll pick on both sides here. I don't think either side fully understands what our black communities need that do need. And I mean, I'll, even if I look at the black community in Detroit, it is very hard to be successful in Detroit right now because there are policies that keep families down. There are policies that keep people from achieving because of extra taxes and extra paperwork and all of this. And so you talk about the community you grew up in and saying there were shops on every corner. Everybody felt safe. You could go in and you could go to the neighbor's house and and borrow sugar. You could go to the store by yourself what where did we go wrong and why do we think that this is a political talking point instead of a community talking point and i will say i think that we've gotten this wrong in a couple of different areas of community whether it is community on the value of life or community on the value of family but we keep making it political and it's not political it's not first of all one of the reasons why the black community was able to achieve success in the face of opposition is because of the strength of its faith and its family. Hmm. One of our scholars did a study of what was the state of marriage on six major plantations following slavery. 75% of slave families had a man and a woman raising children. The nuclear family continued for 100 years after slavery. 
every Thomas Sowell in his study says that every generation after slavery, blacks progressed in every area, home ownership, wealth accumulation, education, family stability. And in fact, between 1930 and 1940, during the depression, when racism was enshrined in law, the black community had the highest marriage rate of any group in society. Hmm. Under 17% were born out of wedlock. That's what, but all of that changed in the 60s when those institutions that built railroads, built a hundred hotels and colleges, those institutions within the black community, for instance, in, in Chicago, in the Bronzeville section in 1919, there were 731 black-owned businesses, 100 million in real estate assets. Just in there, in Detroit, it was the black bottom. That was your black Wall Street in Detroit. And so, but all of this stopped in the 60s. What, what racism couldn't, uh, could not uh, destroy, what night rides of the Klan could not destroy, Federal policies with the poverty programs did. Mm. It, 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 it replaced all those institutions with poverty programs and professionals. What do you mean by that? I mean, I, I've heard these discussions of, you know, the, there, were, there were policies in place that kept people from wanting to get married and sort of started to destroy oh, yeah. the family. But do you think that that was malicious intent, or do you think that this just was a consequence that was unforeseen? There is something worse than malicious intent. It is folly. Hmm. Foolishness can be more lethal than, mal- than malice. Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about that in his letters from, a, from prison. He said, one of the most difficult, you can challenge malice with violence, but folly, there is no defense against folly. When someone thinks they're doing something to help you, when they're destroying you with the helping hand. Hmm. I, I tell people, I'd rather be hated than patronized and treated like an impotent child. And that's how the black community started to get treated in the 60s. Well, they're not responsible. In fact, as Cloward and Piven, these scholars, liberal scholars at, at Columbia School of Social Work said, what we need to do is move towards socialism. And the way you do that is separate work from income. If That's what we did with the welfare system. And if you do that, it means that fathers will become irrelevant, dropout rates will increase, and so they encourage blacks to enter the welfare. Welfare used to be stigmatized in the black community prior to the 60s. Interesting. They they removed the stigmatization, and and I, I don't have time to unpack it all, but I can tell you what happened was there was a, a cultural split, but and, and, and what happened was the government came in and reinforced the split by making it more generous to be on welfare. So more blacks entered the welfare system in the early 70s. Uh, millions entered the system uh, at, at, with the result that this New York City went bankrupt because of it. Well, uh, we've seen this increase in crime in these cities. We've seen it in Chicago. We've seen it in New York. We've seen it in Detroit. We've seen this constant increase in crime. Obviously, that's a big discussion. And I, you probably don't remember, you and I talked years ago about this as we were seeing it happen years ago. And I remember, I'll never forget, at the time you said, 
why would you think that those communities would want anything different than the community you live in, public safety and support for family? And we've been able to go into communities and create that and bring those communities back. And I just thought to myself, how do we do it? How can we help? What can we do to bring that back and not look like we're like, oh, we're going to help here. But really, how do you do it? Well, the way you do it, first of all, is it, it, is is we have to push back. First of all, the po- the politics of, of left and right are totally irrelevant. You can go into these neighborhoods. You can't tell which political party or ideology is in place. Blacks used to be considered uh, property by slave owners. They're considered pawns by progressives. Hmm. Political pawns, as long as they vote the right way. The question is, if race were the issue, why are blacks, have they, have they failed for the last 50 years in cities run by their own people? So it's not the race or sex of the ruler, it's the rules of the game. And if you, if you, if you side with teachers' unions against the parents, or, or in, in, then, then the, parent, the, 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 the parents will lose. And so what we're doing at the Woodson Center is go back and looking at how we were able to achieve against the odds. So we go into low-income neighborhoods, and, and we don't do pathology studies. If you say 70% of the households are raising children that are dropping out of school or in jail, it means 30% are not. Well, what's going on in that 30%? And we go in and we find out these are the social entrepreneurs, the Joseph. These are people who have, are applying old values to a new vision. Hmm. And so we provide money and assistance so what works in the 30% can be shared with the 70%. And as a consequence, we have seen dramatic changes occur within those communities when we provide young people with substitutes for parents. In other words, we need surrogate parenting. We're, we're supporting a school called a Piney Wood Day School. It's a, it's a black a residential uh, boarding school that's been around for 115 years. They have mandatory chapel, mandatory work, all the kids are from challenged neighborhoods, but 96% of them go on to college or post-secondary education. So it's not the children. It's when you put them in a supportive environment where there is love, which you're not going to get there by turning to white people and saying, well, if, if we're going to spend $8 billion on DEI programs, what the hell's that got to do with solving those problems? Yeah, those little kids that need someone right then and there, that's not going to fix what's happening throughout their childhood that is preventing. You know, it's funny because you talk about this, and as I was campaigning and learning about the different communities in the state of Michigan, there were some of our communities that were in need where people would say, well, you don't understand. The parents have never had parents. So we're talking about generations that have been really on their own raising themselves and you lose you just lose a lot when you don't have a mom or a dad who are there and and these are in some cases parents now 
who raised their own parents because their own parents were either gone or on drugs or not around. And they and they don't know how to raise their own child because they were too busy trying to figure out how to keep their parent there. And so I think that that's something that we think there's some great answer. I have the answer on this side. I have the answer on that side. And it's just hard work of bringing community together. And really, I mean, this is what we've always thought that the church was for. But we've we've devalued life so much. I mean, you were you were talking recently about crime and suicide increasing as well. And, and you made a statement. If you do devalue your life, you'll either take your own or someone else's. And I think that's a real problem that we see regardless of community now is that it's we've seen so many suicides and, and homicides. It's just increasing every year. And it's really taking time away to be a family. Well, that's because we have to deracialize race. Mm. I tell black audiences all the time, stop whining about white folks. Getting white people to be less racist does not make you more safe. Mm. And so we all need to recognize that the biggest crisis face in this country is the moral and spiritual freefall that is consuming rich white kids in and in Silicon Valley, where the suicide rate for teens is six times the national average. Low-income whites in Appalachia are dying from prescription drugs. Inner-city kids are dying from homicide. What the Woodson Center does with its Voices of Black Mothers United, we brought moms together from each of those two of those other groups in what we call the Mothers Consortium. And for three days, they came together to find common ground to address this hole that's in the heart of our children. That there's a, when you lack content or meaning to your life, like I said, you'll either take yours or someone else's. Mm. Well, you're not gonna find meaning by harping on our racial differences or who's an oppressor. If we constantly bombard our children, white and black, with messages that, you're, that, that you are a victim or a villain, after a while, they begin to perhaps believe that they are unworthy. And, yeah. so, and so it's important to stop this negative messaging. We need to set aside race and come together, unite in trying to find content and meaning. There are people in these low-income neighborhoods who I call antibodies. Those are the seventy, the thirty percent of the households that are successfully raising children in these toxic environments. We need to find out what the magic sauce is that mm. enables them to thrive in that same environment, and then we need to make more investments rather than offer free courses in the Constitution. Uh, we need to begin to offer support for those institutions that are demonstrating by their actions the validity of our founding values. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. (sighs) Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot. 
The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is, quote, worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash tutor. Well, it seems like a lot of this happens outside of government. It's organizations like yours that come in and show love. It's not, this is, this is what I can offer you. It's, it's, this is how we can come together and do this together. But I do think that there has been a major focus on this country is racist and focused on being stuck in that, as you would say, that crucifixion and not getting to the resurrection and not getting getting back to to celebrating how far we've come. And I didn't even notice how bad it was until my daughter came home from high school on Martin Luther King Day or just after she was they'd been talking about racism. And she said to me and I had somebody that I work with on the phone in the car and she said, man, when you guys were young, racism must have been so bad. And it struck me and I said, actually, you know, I grew up in Chicago and I think it was really a time when no one talked about that. Like we didn't really see it like you do now. We talk about it so much. And I don't know from my perspective, was it different in the nineties that it was getting better and we didn't have to focus on it so much? Or was I naive to the fact that it was so bad? I didn't know how to answer her. Well, one of the reasons why, I mean, you, you, you got a race grievance industry. You have a small group of people, like I said, you know, in fact, I I think I have become a self-certified racial exorcist. All these guilty (laughs) white that are writing checks to these race hustlers to, to, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to exorcise racism and guilt 
the guilt for slavery and Jim Crow. You know, you are, after this day, Bob Wilson has absolved me from that, and I'm now it's exercised. <laughs> so perhaps that will help. So, so let me ask you something else, because you were involved in the civil rights movement. You knew Martin Luther King Jr. You've heard some people come out, and now there's this group that wants to say, well, He's the reason for affirmative action. He's the reason for DEI. And I've been very outspoken about not not accepting that statement and saying that is not true. Tell us your perspective on that. The worst thing in the world is to define, to say that you're, that you don't have agency, that you, that you cannot become agents of your own uplift. Dr. Mm. King said that what we are seeking is opportunity to compete. He didn't say give us an equal place at the table. Um, so no, in fact, we, we tell the story of the Golden 13. All your listeners should read about the Golden 13. In 1943, real quick, uh, mm -hmm. there were no black naval officers. So Eleanor Roosevelt persuaded her husband to train them. So the Navy said they're gonna train 16 black men with college education to be naval officers, but we're gonna give them in eight weeks what we give white cadets in 16 weeks so they'll wash out. When these brothers found out about it, they covered the, the, the windows of their barracks and stayed up and studied all night. And when they were tested, they scored in the 90th percentile. And then when they said, well, they cheated, so they test, retested them individually, they scored in the 93rd percentile. They eventually uh, commissioned 13 of them. That's why they're called the Golden 13. That test score is still the highest ever achieved at the Naval Training Academy. That, this, the, these are the stories we ought to be telling in defense of competence versus affirmative action. I mean, these are these are biblical. This is like Daniel refusing to eat the meat and saying, no, I'm going to stick to my diet and being the strongest and the most impressive specimen of man. You know, this is these are biblical stories of coming together and over overcoming obstacles. And that's what I that's when we started this. That's exactly what I wanted people to hear was there is a community in our country that has seen immense struggle and immense pain and shown that they can overachieve in the face of adversity. And we should celebrate those moments. Absolutely. One, one final one, if I could. Um, yeah. Back in, uh, in, in the, there was a man, Elijah McCoy, who was uh, born of uh, fugitive slave parents and they took him to Canada and he got a degree and he went to Scotland too and studied, but he had a degree in engineering. So when he came back to the, to the, to the rail yards in Chicago in 1848 um, and sought a job, they gave him the most dangerous one because of his color, and that is oiling the wheels on the, tr on the trains. Well, he used his ingenuity to build a, a machine that would automatically oil the wheels and so the whole rail system was able to travel at a faster speed and people he became he he was the the uh, inventors hall of fame he's in it he says uh, people tried to develop knockoffs but the owners of the railroad said no we want the real mccoy <laughs> oh that's where we got that yes <laughs> i love it
What an so amazing. Rico McCoy. So that was synonymous with excellence. Those are the kind of stories that black and white children need to study. Yes. I could, I could stand, sit here for the next hour and just reel off. If you go to our website, uh, the, the Woodson Center, and download our book, or go to Amazon, Red, White, and Black, there'll be other stories like that in there. Well, I encourage people to do that because, like I said, that's been some of the, those have been some of the richest stories that I've heard about our history and the overcoming and the community. And like I said, there's a difference between happiness and joy. And you can find joy even in the darkest of times. And that joy is what propelled people into a totally, like you talk about going from what, 6% literacy to 75, that came from joy and love. It, it really did. And they also noticed the difference between success and significance. Mm. You know, success is what you do for yourself. I love it. Well, you, you have done great things for this country. And I'm so glad that you joined me today because I've always enjoyed our conversations and I just knew that people would want to hear this. So Bob Woodson, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast. As always, for this episode and others, you can go to TudorDixonPodcast.com and subscribe right there or head over to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash tutor. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.